Welcome to Managing Marketing, and today I'm here in New York City with Brett Colbert, Chief Procurement Officer at MDC Partners. He's also, I'd say, the rock star of marketing procurement with the Twitter handle, at Rock Procurement. Hi, Brett. Darren, how are you? Welcome Hi. to New York. Let's talk about marketing. Mar well, I love marketing. I love marketing as well. <laughs> Starting off taking the piss. <laughs> The bad boy of procurement. What can I say? Yeah. So um, what do you think is the state of marketing procurement? Because Ooh. I have to say, coming out of the ANA advertising financial management, it was pretty uninspiring. Uh, unfortunately, I agree with you. Um, listen, I think that they're missing the mark these days, is that everyone is, is claiming that they've moved beyond savings. And in fact, we actually heard from Coke, who was saying that they're focusing on different initiatives. And then a whole notion of savings, reduction or avoidance, is being removed from the vocabulary. So if everyone wants to focus on value, then let's have real conversations in terms of how do you quantify value? How do you measure value? Yeah. And what is the success of value? Because that then is going to be sustainable. Focusing on saying that we're not going to cut, we're only going to invest and quantify that value is, but not demonstrating, that's not going to keep the conversation going, to be quite honest. Well, I have to say, I'm highly skeptical of that, only because in Asia, mm. and I'm not sure whether it's, you know, um, like maturity-wise, it's still an emerging or developing market, but almost every conversation is about price. In fact, I had um, the same company that were talking about value at the conference mm -hmm. phoned me up not six months ago and asked me how much I could reduce their media agency fees for in Asia yeah. and offering me half the savings. Which is amazing to me. Um, Which we refused, by the way, because we never work on savings. But, you know, so I'm sitting there going, this, this disconnection, or are they just pulling my leg? Um, it, it, I think oftentimes is that people want to tell people what they want to hear. And then they'll go ahead and they'll execute against what's best for the business. And the thing is, is that some of these businesses with very low margins, yes, it is focused about cost. But the reality is, is that within procurement, or even within marketing procurement, let's be specific, if you need cost reduction, cut the budget. Mm. That's the thing. Just cut the budget. Because let's not continue with this dance. Is that the agencies can't continue to sustain at the rate in which the cuts are being asked for. And frankly, they're not incentivized or motivated to want to continue to work on that business. Mm. So what we really never talk about is the cost to transition a business. Or transition a, a manager within marketing who's not getting what he or she needs because an agency agreed to do something for less mm. versus investing to get more. That's the problem that we continue to have. And unfortunately, it's not going to go away anytime soon until someone truly takes a stand and says, this is what happens when I invested more. Mm. This is what I got. Mm. And I'm okay with doing that because that was then delivering, quote unquote, value to the business. So it's interesting because Jeff Jones from Target mm -hmm. spoke and I thought he did a terrific presentation. But he was talking about investing mm -hmm. and measuring success and he's using data, 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 I don't mind. Um, 
uh, to actually measure the impact that it's having. And retail business is great because when you do something, you see it at the register or you see it online. Absolutely, you optimize in real time. Yeah. But then when he got to talk about, someone asked the question, does he use performance or incentives to bonus the agency for when he's getting these great results? He used the old line, oh, I don't think that's fair because the agency can't control everything. But what about thinking of it as a contribution that they make and giving them the, in quotes, reward for that contribution? Sure. A lot of times clients these days are utilizing these incentives hold back metrics. Mm. Is uh, do what you say you're going to do and then we'll pay you the total compensation based off of that. So um, I'm a big fan of Jeff. Um, full disclosure is that uh, one of our agencies works on Target. Mm. So um, I, I love the stories that they tell on behalf of that brand. Um, the biggest challenge with any type of value-based or performance-based metrics is that, first and foremost, many of the agency partners don't actually see the data, mm. or they don't see it as frequently as they need to, to optimize in real time, especially for a retail business. Um, and then second, most of the incentive criteria isn't formalized within a contract. To yeah. say that, the marketer has to budget for it, and the marketer has to accrue for that. Because let's be honest here, if you're talking retail business or you're talking consumer packaged goods or fast-moving consumer goods, come fourth quarter, they have to cut the budget. Mm. They have to hit their numbers. And that's irrespective if the agency is incentivized or compensated based off a retainer for that fiscal and or calendar year or whether it's just project-based. So as we talked about the benefits of aligning metrics to the brand, to your client, agencies wanting to take skin in the game to demonstrate value created, value delivered, the reality is that many have not been actually provided the criteria or the stimuli for them to measure how well they did. Mm. And therefore, oftentimes they're finding that they're undervalued or undercompensated based on missing some of that criteria. One of the largest, as you know, um, incentive criteria is how's the relationship? Oh, no. and, 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 and it's always a, a tough one because obviously the most subjective of, let's say, the three. You have a business metric, an advertising metric, both pretty objective, yeah. and then you have the marriage metric. The subjective one. The subjective one. How do I one. feel this week? Absolutely. It's all tied to recency. Hmm. Um, whether he or she who's on the brand side is getting that promotion that they're hoping the agency is going to get them to get. And what happens in most cases is unfortunate because, again, I've sat on both sides of the table, is that a 360 evaluation is very much about a 180 evaluation, taking the hour that is allotted to have that review, and 50 minutes of that hour is the brand telling the agency how they are and the remaining five minutes for the agency to agree to everything the brand just said. Now, I'm, I've noticed that particularly in the US, mm. right? That it's very buyer supplier, mm. right? That the brands are happy to tell the agency, but they don't like hearing about how they could be better Absolutely. or where they're falling short. Absolutely. Whereas I've found in other markets, it's not as obvious, you know, that, that people see it more as, or they understand the co-creation, you know, garbage in, garbage out, or, you know, the agency agency can only be as good as the client allows them to be or, in, or um, uh, stimulates them to be, you know, like encourages them and challenges them to be. Absolutely. The, the other thing is that underneath any performance thing is, has to be a high level of trust. Without a doubt. Right? And the other thing I've seen completely disappear 
is trust, but particularly the trust that the agency has of the client. Because I've, too many times we've been called in because the client's put a big performance metric in place and ended up hitting the numbers, but then not paying the agency because one, it wasn't in the contract, and two, they then suddenly go, oh yeah, but the agency didn't really drive the success, it was something else. Sure. Well, Darren, the question I have for you in today's world, who's the client? Because the thing is, historically, it used to be it was brand. Yeah. And it was probably either the CMO or the VP of brand or what have you. Now you've got many different layers within yeah. the marketing realm, but then you also have procurements with conflicting KPIs and very little accountability to shared metrics. Mm. So an agency has to deliver to a procurement metric and also has to deliver to a brand metric. And I think that we can have a whole different podcast just on the differs of those, the differing um, metrics of those two constituencies. So who is the client these days? Mm. And that's always the biggest challenge. I think that would be most eye-opening during these 360 evaluations, and there's always a section that talks about financial stewardship, mm. is agency, whatever agency, and let's just speak in this case to an integrated agency that's actually yeah. concepting film. They estimate based off of now, let's say three to four rounds of revisions. Historically, it was two to three. Yeah. But actuals were finding, and this is when I was on the brand side as well, now being back on agency side, that we are now double-digit revisions. Wow. And that's never talked about during these 360 quarterly business updates or if you're doing it biannually or what have you. And no one really talks about what happens to the efficiency of the business as a result of that. That's why when, we, when we're called in to do a um, remuneration or compensation benchmarking, one of the things that stands out is the increased levels of creative and production time and account management. In fact, we had a client that the average number of iterations of creative idea, not even revisions in production, was 27. Now, that's the average. And what does that do to somebody's motivation when you ask them to go back 27 times? But it was also co costing them, we could show. This it doesn't have to be... $2 million. Easy. $2 million easy. in extra work. That was a cheap agency. Yeah. In that case. But uh, when you think about it, estimate oh, in terms of... of work. <laughs> concepting a 30-second spot or a film could be, you know, a quarter of a million dollars. Mm. You know, times 27, again, it's not going to be fully equivalent at that, but nonetheless, mm. that is a lot of money. What would be more interesting for me to participate in here when they have the 360 is simply asking the brand, do you know how your agency makes money? Mm. No, they and, don't. And, Sadly, they don't. No. And do you understand how an agency runs their business? They don't understand how they make money, but they also believe that the agency's making an excess of money. Excess of money, correct. It's like they're living 30 years ago. <laughs> Absolutely. It, you know, maybe shows like Mad Men are uh, doing a disservice to the industry because, you know, that was set in the 1960s. Absolutely. We're like 40, yeah. 40, 50 years ahead from there. Absolutely. And not only do the brands not necessarily know how the agencies make money, listen, we'll take some accountability responsibility on the agency side. Many agency resources, certainly sans management, but agency resources don't quite understand how their business makes money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it would be very eye-opening to a lot of the resources within the team, specifically creative. Creative wants to put out a creative product that they are happy with and that's going to deliver to the business results. Um, no matter how many times it may take to actually hit that, oftentimes agency on their own accord, they will invest 
to make sure that it delivers exactly what it is that both parties had agreed to, to deliver against that, that business result. Um, but too often, 27 revisions you, mm. you spoke to, is that not only does an agency not know that after, let's say, four, you have to put pens down and say no, but what's that doing to the relationship? If anyone ever told me professionally to go back and revise something 27 times, that would be cause immediately to say goodbye. Now, look, it was interesting because we went into the marketing department and mm. it was a four-layered marketing department Easy. from the brand, brand manager to the CMO. And what was happening, because I, even I was uh, you know, gobsmacked yeah. that the average was 27. Like there was some up at around 40, 50 and some down at around five, six at the minimum. And it was because the brand manager would do four or five sure. and then hand it up to their boss who would scrap everything and start again and he'd do four or five and then it would go. And then it would finally get to the CMO who was looking at 20 ideas. Easy. And then go, I don't like any of them. Yeah. You're all idiots. This is what you need to do. And I said to him, well, why don't you brief the agency? He goes, I haven't got time. And I said, so you've got time to say no but you don't have time to actually get it right in the first place. And it is costing you an extra $2 million. And he goes, money's cheap. That, oh God. <laughs> Mind that's, you, that's 18 months later, he got practice. fired. Yeah, oh, wow, <laughs> wow. Um, in today's world, what we always suggest to both parties is define a ways of working and rules of engagement mm. and making sure that um, both have full visibility on each other's cultures. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm hoping that as marketing procurement continues to integrate itself into this wonderful world, um, they'll understand that there's a lot of opportunities for them to close the gap between the three parties, three parties being brand, procurement, and marketing, excuse me, an agency. And understanding that, they can learn from agencies what works well at other clients to apply mm -hmm. that perhaps what could be working better in their own houses and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of room for them to have a true come to Jesus moment with each other mm -hmm. to say, okay, what is causing these rounds of revisions. What is causing this decay? What is causing unnecessary utilization of time and resources? Is it because from the onset, we didn't have an understanding of who the true decision makers were on both ends? Mm. And that's the problem. And that will continue to be the problem. And that is a great role for procurement within an organization. At the moment, it's heavily laden with this agenda of cost reduction. And That's the savings. problem, is that if the second somebody can quantify what productivity truly is in being this resource, not to say that this resource is going to fall, I actually tweeted this, the old agency relations role, mm -hmm. because there is a, a financial responsibility that comes along with this role, but these change agents need to understand what could be working better internally to fix the foundation of their house and then truly be the champion for the agency partner as well as marketing to say, you know what, we have some shit to fix together. And let's then determine what it used to look like and how much that cost, and then what does it look like today. And the difference between the two, then take that to your CPO and still claim that as cost avoidance. Mm. Because the reality is, is that finance is not going to validate that savings. Finance will continue to say, I don't trust the savings. Yeah. And at the end of the day, finance is going to 
take the money anyway. Mm. So it's not a procurement decision ever to apply any of those savings, whether it's going to be hard or soft, to the bottom line. So it still baffles me on why we have this notion of a savings goal or target that we have to hit. Mm. By the way, I don't think that I told you that on my team I removed all notion of savings targets. Really? Great. They're going to deliver savings. It's what procurement does because they're resourceful brand builders. Let's talk about that. Resourceful brand builders being, they are investment managers. Yeah. They're going to make sure that the money is invested to the best of its ability to deliver the best return. Maximize the return it, on that investment. It's no different than in marketing. Yeah. Because we all talk about that. The marketing results can be a applied to the top line of the balance sheet. Mm. So therefore, if you're managing that investment of marketing versus being the ambulance chaser looking for low-hanging fruit and continuing to do that year over year, there's no value delivered there. No. So the second that a procurement organization has better alignment with the marketing organization's goal, actually just the business goals, because if well, marketing should be aligned to the business goals. If, if, if both should share the yeah. same accountabilities, because the reality is, is that if the business doesn't deliver its goals, nobody gets their incentive. And frankly, not just an incentive. They may not have a job. Mm. So maybe what we do is we put the agendas aside and just say, how can we invest better to get a better result? And let's be realistic about what those results are. Mm. Let's take a look at the budget holistically, not just the marketing budget per se, but where's the IT budget? Because mm. we talk about the ongoing needs for MarTech and AdTech, the insights and analytics budgets. Mm. I mean, let's be real, marketing budgets are reducing. IT and insights and analytics budgets are increasing because those are tied to sales. Mm. People want to invest more to get a better real-time result. It's interesting you should say that because actually about 30% of my business now is restructuring uh, marketing departments within organisations. Mm. And one of the things that we do is pull together tech, digital tech, um, analytics and uh, data analytics, customer analytics, and then have an insights and brand team. Because any insights have to come through a brand filter. Absolutely. And then the comms team, and we call that the central diamond. You know, there's four diamonds that lock into each other. Now, physically, they actually exist in different parts of the organization. But by um, bringing them together in responsibility, they become almost like this virtuous diamond. That's your holy trinity right there. Mm. Literally, all of them have to be working together in real time, mm. um, really all pulling from each other's budgets on one budget that then has to be optimized. Mm. So we're not talking about media optimization. We're talking about holistic marketing optimization, taking into consideration all of the dollars that are going to touch a consumer. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, a very cool time to be in marketing. It's a cooler time to be in marketing procurements. Mm -hmm. So the opportunities are right there in front of them. They need to literally grab themselves by the balls, yeah. jump in and determine how they can add value in this new world and sustain in this new world. And procurement are in a great position to be able to build the business case for doing that. Without a doubt. Because they have the business understanding, the commercial uh, context. They have most mar um, procurement, marketing procurement people have terrific 
analytics and understanding of finance. Absolutely. And so to actually work with the marketers and the other key stakeholders within the organisation can build the case to take to the board or take to the C-suite as to why it should be working this way. I attended a CPO roundtable yesterday, and that's exactly what we just said, is that procurement serves as the conduit for the business, Mm -hmm. is that you're moving from a function to a service, and that is truly a strategic service. We talked about... A commercial service. Not just a commercial service, but just... Strategic, yeah, business strategy. Overall. And we talked about the entire notion of killing the word procurement. Mm. You know, uh, a couple years ago, people said, we're no longer a procurement, we're sourcing. They said, you know what, same thing. Mm. Um, Sadly, within the last year, I went to a meeting with a client and one of the procurement colleagues handed me their business card and it said, commodity buyer. And there's nothing sexier to a creative agency or a creative talent to receive a business card from someone that they just met and just says, hello, I'm a commodity buyer. I'm going to be buying you, Darren. Mm. That immediately ends yeah, the conversation you're a commodity, right then and there yeah. because you're a commodity. <laughs> you are human capital. Well, after all, you're reduced to an FTE. Uh, you're pretty much reduced <laughs> to an FTE. It's not about the total output or the value of that. It's just literally the percentage of your utilization and how much your inputs cost. So um, a lot of people talked about benchmarking at the conference, and, sure. and we do benchmarking. But uh, one of the things we do is ev- all of our benchmarks have low, medium, and high, and, sure. we, and we set those statistically and then check it against the marketplace for the perception of the different types of either people or agencies or services. Have you heard of many other um, benchmarking services that actually use that? Because most of the ones I see have benchmarks that are average. Sure. Um, benchmark is a good starting point. And, mm. and, and not only are there good benchmarks that could be purchased by a brand directly, but also there's trade organizations that provide benchmarks mm. for the agencies themselves. What they don't take into consideration is a good client that's leading to those actuals of what those benchmarks are. Mm. So a good behavior that's driving the best work. Nor does it talk about a bad behavior that's driving really shitty work, yeah. and perhaps a lower currency of a blended hourly rates. I wish we would completely get rid of the notion of blended hourly oh, rates. I hate them. Well, what's amazing to me is we talk about the um, influx of IT moving into the marketing space, mm. and you have SaaS vendors. Mm. And you know what I've coined, and what very much I want to bring into the future is that agencies are just purely human capital SaaS when you think about it. But when you're buying a SaaS solution, everything is based on time and material. Why do you think that is? Because it is literally just a piggy bank or a cash register. You continue to just throw money into that because nothing truly off the shelf is going to deliver what it is that you hope to receive. So everything is going to be a change order in that sense or a customization. People will still continue to invest, continue to invest, continue to invest. And it is a brilliant business model. When we hand over what our blended hourly rate is though, then we get antagonized and attacked on the agencies that you smell too high based on what do we smell too high based on benchmarks that we've received Mm. and the very first question that an agency will say to a brand is where did you get those benchmarks Mm -hmm. what's the foundation or basis of those benchmarks and 90% of the time marketing procurement will respond well we can't tell you that So, so you know where the term benchmarking came from, sure, don't you? Yeah, sure. it, it was actually English surveyors would go into a village and find the church because it was usually the only thing built out of stone, and they would mark the elevation above sea level 
and then everything else was measured for the height against that benchmark. It was actually a line with an arrowhead to say this is the benchmark for 100 feet above sea level or 200 feet above sea level. Now, in a modern interpretation of that, it would mean that you would then walk into the village and chop every building Absolutely. off at 100 feet Absolutely. above sea level, Absolutely. even if it needed to be 300 or, or 50. But let me, let me tell you this, is those that had more money to invest got to live higher. Mm. And therefore, they get to look down on all those that couldn't deliver it. So, so why do people think, <laughs> if you've got an average benchmark, and this is why we created low, medium and high, because yeah. there's no point telling you what average is, because average is average. Average is average. Everyone right? says, what's and the so mean? What's the mean? Having low, medium and high, we get fascinating conversations around, well, where do you want to invest more to get better quality? I'd actually love to kill the word benchmark as well, because the reality is only if you're looking for the baseline, yeah. is that those that or are the buying, average. those are those that <laughs> are buying are only looking for the baseline and the reason why they're looking for the baseline is so they can set up below the baseline mm -hmm. and the second that a, a partner an agency agrees to go below baseline you're never going to go back up no. ever and too often I, I was guilty of this as well to say well you know my previous baseline was x or i paid my previous agency y and the question then came back is then why are you talking to me yeah Always. That always happens. Yeah, because you, you left them because you weren't happy with it. Sure. But now you want something better yeah. for less yeah. or the same. Sure. You are not going to source anything that is going to be less better than what you currently have. And isn't that what everybody in procurement wants to do? They want to strategically source. They want to source partnerships that are going to deliver better business results. Well, just the pure notion of better business results to me is that I want to invest more to get more. Mm. And I don't want to overstate that, but oftentimes, if I'm going to get more, then I can tie that to the new metric of revenue generation. Mm. Procurement-led innovation tied to revenue generation. Okay, so the big thing around uh, the marketplace is ZBB. ZBB. Though, of course, I call it ZBB. ZBB. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I came from that culture, actually, uh, at ABM Bev. Oh, of course, yeah. Yes. So, so one of the things that um, I've actually challenged a few people on is, well, why have a marketing budget? Why don't you, if you're going to go ZBB, why don't you actually fund marketing out of COGS? Um, you know what? I don't disagree with you. I had a CMO who would ask the question, what is the perfect amount of money to spend on marketing? How much of marketers budget to market? Mm. And the response was zero dollars. Then what is he doing there? Uh, correct. That's a good question too. Is that if it's done Though, well, is it, that it, it should be about, about talk about protecting it. the uh, current revenue stream. Yep. Because you need to market to your existing customers to keep them buying with you. Yep. Plus growth. I mean, most people make the mistake of thinking the marketing investment's only on growth. Yes. There's actually a huge amount of revenue that your competitors are trying to erode from you Without that you need to protect. Without and marketing is part of protecting that revenue. Absolutely. The so people that's are why, saying that about Coke. Yeah, so COGS is a great measure because yeah. it's a cost of the goods sold. Yeah. So it's already protecting the existing and it grows when you grow the total volume or value of goods sold. I completely agree. McDonald's spends most of their time doing reactive hmm. communications and advertising. We think about that. Yes, absolutely agreed. I'll tell you this about ZBB, though. It keeps the relationship between procurement and brand honest. Yeah. It really does. Why? Well, the thing is, is that if done well, budgets are built into the savings. 
Yeah, true. So there's no conversation needed about did we achieve the savings, did we achieve the target? If you spent a dollar above and beyond what was approved by finance, not even procurement, then guess what? Nobody hit their targets. Mm-hmm. Now, it makes it very difficult for marketers to do because 90% of the time marketers are going to go out to the market to understand how much they should budget to produce X, Y, and Z yeah. or create X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a lot of certainty in terms of that. So a marketer would say, I'm thinking of doing about this. How much should that cost me? Independent of a conversation with procurement. Well, procurement, again, being the value creators that they are, should know the cost of everything because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They should also be able to determine if they're going to increase that because the value is worth X higher. Mm-hmm. So if you are building the savings into the budgets, guess what? Now we're just going to be strategic partners Mm. and measure the the results against the agreed upon brief and the outputs within the statement of work or whatever relationships they have. And if that's not working, then they can optimize in real time based on where technology is today. Yeah, Mark Mark Ritson, who is the professor at Melbourne Business School for Marketing, um, says that ZBB is the best thing ever for marketers because it means that it it makes you focus on every single activity you do, drive short, medium and long-term value Absolutely. That is measurable. And he said that's the discipline that most of the marketing industry has lost or profession has lost, is that they've got so used to spending the budget without a focus on what is the short, medium and long term. And he says that this is something that people, marketers should be embracing because it actually helps you uh, justify and promote the value of marketing. What happens though with CBB is that it's not a collaborative process between vendor and client, and that's where it needs to be. So for instance, going back to the example of the marketer questioning their agency partner how much something should cost, agency said, okay, this is what it is that we want to do together, and and we agree that this is going to deliver that result that we need. It's going to be an estimated million dollars, let's say. Mm -hmm. The million dollars in gets carried and taken to finance by the marketer. Mm-hmm. Finance immediately say cut 30%. Get it done for 30%. Marketer may or may not share that discussion with procurements. Could come back and say, okay, we need to do the same for 40% less. Nor does the marketer tell the agency who actually did the budget estimate for the marketer that finance is going to cut 30%, so let's right-size the deliverables to make sure that's going to be a $700,000 versus a million. Expect- yeah, set Correct. the expectation up front. So this is why we get into these unnecessary triangulated discussions. An agency is always going to be then on the receiving end to say, okay, so what did what'd you get? What did they agree to? Mm. Well, a marketer wants to be able to do more with less so they're never going to come back and truly say it was 700000 Yeah. So that's the dance that we're continually in. Versus agency maybe sitting at the table to defend that investment right next to their partner who happens to be the marketer. And speaking to finance because, Darren, right now we're not madmen. Mm. We're math men. Mm. So that finance person is defining how much that value is worth if we would sit together and say, okay, if you only have 700000 then let's figure out what are the must-haves right now? Let's then optimize, because what technology allows us to do, to reinvest. By the way, can we reinvest? Because too often an agency doesn't even know where the quote-unquote savings are being applied. Mm. And that's the problem. 
Yeah. So if we can all just get to the table together sooner, we'd have less of these back and forths. Well, that's one of the things, is setting expectations. Without and you mentioned it earlier about you know, the ways of working together and putting you know, a framework and guidance around that um, and budgeting now. Yeah. Um, people are inclined to avoid contracts. Yes. And yet, first of all, contracts are the best way of defining how you work together. Oh, and they're the most fun things to execute ever. Yeah, especially when they get about to 200 pages <laughs> with links to, yeah. And in fact, I, I had a... Uh, and a one-size-fits-all service agreement. Probably my favourite. Well, you know, the master service agreement with the, uh, what was my favourite? The KPI that said the agency will respond within four hours oh. of any communication and it needed a 99.9% um, um, success rate. And I, I asked the procurement person, who's actually measuring that? Because what's the point of having a KPI if you're not or measuring Or asking it? the question is that who's receiving the financial reconciliations mm. that you're asking for us to do monthly, but it's not tied to actual seasonality of what it is that we're doing. So if we're front-loading the activity, why are we being questioned that we're too heavy on our hours then versus on the back end? It's just amazing yeah, yeah. to me. Amazing to me. So the contract gets signed, it gets put into a filing cabinet, no one ever looks at it again, somewhere down the track. That's you know? if it gets signed, actually. Yes, yeah, true. You could have a three-year agreement Easy. that's never signed. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Well, a lot of times people say a scope of work. If you've got signatory blocks, that's a legal document. Yeah. So then um, the other thing that happens is no one ever actually sits down and takes the time to talk about mm -hmm. and agree what their expectations of each other. Right. The, the document was signed, but there was no actual conversation around expectations of working together, expectations of service, suitable behaviours, the ways of uh, collaborating or, or coordinating. Where do you think a contract goes on both ends? So let's talk about on the brand side. So a contract is negotiated by legal, process is managed by procurement. Do you think a brand actually reads the contract? Never. Never, okay. And they're the ones that arguably own the relationship. And actually have to abide by what was agreed in the contract on in the On behalf first of their companies, yeah. yes. On the agency side, 90% of the time the contract is negotiated by who? Uh, usually the finance director. Finance or, director, or, yeah. or maybe even outside counsel. Mm -hmm. And once the contract is agreed to, or even the scope of work and fee, how is that then cascaded amongst an agency? Well, it's not. It usually it's sits not. the finance director's filing cabinet under the client. So that's interesting. So the people that are supposed to actually work together and have the relationship with each other, neither one of them has seen what was agreed upon. Mm. And they'll continue down that path. And frankly, they'll argue throughout the course of their, their marriage about certain things that were clearly pointed out in the contract, but yet neither one of them has a contract, a copy of it, seen it, or revisit it to see if it's still relevant based on where they're at in their current relationship. Simple things like that. You mm. just, it blows your mind mm. that there is no process Necessarily, Some agencies absolutely do this. Some brands absolutely do this. But once you have an agreement and you shake hands, neither one of them has seen what was agreed And it's game on. And it's game on. <laughs> and it's not only game on. Game already started. We're now in the third quarter, and the game is about to end. And we haven't agreed to fee, and we haven't agreed to scope. Sadly. 
Well, and, and, you know, that's why I will be in business till the day I die. I know, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I get called in to uh, actually try and sort out the mess when it, when it all turns to shit. Listen, we thought they were doing in. services consultancy. At the end of the day, we're just therapists. Yeah. That's what we are, is that we're a <laughs> marriage therapist. And, and that will continue to have a nice return on investment because they need us to come in and just fix the marital problems that they have. Mm. And it doesn't have to be like that. The agencies of the future and the brands of the future, they're not going to work that way. No. They're really not going to be like that. They're going to do things collaboratively in real time, and they're truly going to focus on any technology that's going to get things better, faster, and if it can be, cheaper. Mm. But if it can't be, that's okay. Oftentimes, we, we teach brands on how to work with procurement. We teach procurement on how to work with brands. And one of the most polarizing statements that I say to procurement is that, would you ever want a cheaper version of yourself? Mm. They certainly don't like that, but it resonates. Yeah. Because I'd rather pay for a more expensive version of you because you'll probably get it done in less time and arguably better. Well, you know, and, and this idea of addressable spend, mm. right? So um, the conversation I had with a procurement team only a couple of months ago, mm. they were looking at their $100 million media budget. They were complaining because they were paying, effectively, the fee was 3% to the media agency, and they were hoping, the and they saw that as the addressable part of the spend. Sure. I mean, they were completely ignoring that there was actually $97 million on the table that they could focus on and work with the marketers and the agency to find how to make that accountable. But no, we're focusing on the 3%. We're still talking fee. We're still talking yeah. fee. And we'll get that down to 2%, which is $2 million. And look, I saved a million dollars. Absolutely. Yay for me. <laughs> Yay for me. And I said, now, let's make it your money. Doesn't you're, mean the media was delivered any better. Yeah, you've got $100 million. You've given it to someone to invest on your behalf to the best of their ability, and then you turn around and say, I'm going to take a third of your fee that you're going to get. You know what I'd do? I'd give them the $100 million and, if, and say to them, if you can prove that you turned that and delivered $180 million in value, I'll give you $5 million. It's easy. I'll give you easy, $10 million. Easy. And then we actually subscribe to the whole notion of contingency because that makes sense. That is smart. I will pay anyone contingency based off of a real strategy that's going to demonstrate real value slash real savings. Mm. Um, we keep doing the same thing year after year after year is that they're focusing on negotiating the things that matter to agencies, a margin, mm. and that's within fee. But if you take a look again, we use a million dollars. If you're compensating an agency a million dollars in total fee, what percentage of that and total cost, what percentage of that is fee? Mm. We always say it's no more, 20, 40%. So the 60, 80% pass through is that you're letting that yeah. continue to go. But you're, you're so concerned that the agency is proposing $150 an hour as opposed to $149 an hour. Mm. And we'll take six months to get to the difference of a dollar, at which an agency will turn around and say, you know what, fuck it, I don't mind, because we're just going to bump the hours. Mm. And then nobody measures true TCO. The savings is not $1 times the actual number of hours mm. delivered. It never is. There's still organizations that will claim savings that way. Mm. 
and hence we still have conferences and conversation and content to attend <laughs> and speak and tweet and all that. But everyone's standing up there saying what they want, you know, want everyone to think they're doing. Sure. But there's not a lot of change, is there? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think people are resistant to change. They're scared of change. So they'll pay lip service to it. Absolutely. But they'll always go back to what they know because they don't know what they don't know. The reason why they go back to what they know is because the metrics and targets that are cascaded by procurement have not changed. But the number of metrics and the value of metrics for marketing, and especially media, is changing exponentially. I completely agree. Completely agree. That's why, again, there's no shared accountability yet in the targets. The good companies have. Mm -hmm. The companies have a yet a way to go. They should learn from those good companies. But those good companies should be forthcoming. Because as far as I'm concerned, telling somebody that you share targets and that you are zero-based or whatever that may or may not be, that is just a best practice. That is not a competitive advantage. That's not your IP. No. You didn't come up with that. You're just working smarter and mm -hmm. better. So let everyone else know, because that's why they come to these conferences, or that's why they share best practices, so they could be more competitive with those that are the best. Mm. Why not just do that? But they don't. Not yet. Brett, that's been a great conversation. We've run out of time, but we, well, and we could have talked for hours. For hours. But thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Maybe we do this in a year's time and see if anything's changed. Uh, let's hope something has changed. Terrific, thanks.